it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good morning, good evening, and good day, and welcome to the show today. It's going to be a high-energy action-packed fun show for you. We're going to be talking all things networking and collaboration um, and particularly as it relates to business growth and I'm super excited to share our guest with you today which will be Demetrius. So for those that don't know me and don't haven't been to the show before let me give you a little bit of my background just very very quickly. I'm a marketing strategist specifically for coaches, consultants and um, speakers. What we do is repurpose content and help that work with LinkedIn strategies. So my whole role is to help you amplify your voice, your message, and your impact. Now, our guest today, uh, Dim, is affectionately called just that, Dim. And for those that know him very, very well, you'll often hear the call cry, hey, Dim, I need some Dim magic. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to share in some of that Dim magic today. Um, and which we'll soon discover. Now, Dim, I only met um, about four months ago, um, and in the last two months, we've been collaborating on a project that we're excited to be launching here in the Adelaide marketplace very, very soon. Now, Dim has a background in uh, tech, as well as innovation and growth. He absolutely understands the power of simple systems, and he's also revenue focused. What I love most is he has the ability to see with total clarity the roadmap or the way forward. Um, and this makes it very, very easy to follow his strategic lead and to follow along as he creates the magic. As you'll get to experience very soon, he's very warm, generous and insightful. And that magic that he's going to share with you now is contagious. So please help me welcome Dim to Success Secrets Exposed. Hey everyone! <laughs> oh wow, I'm, I'm I'm almost tearing up. That that was a great introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's been an absolute great experience. It feels like we've been uh, working and playing alongside each other for for almost a lifetime, but it has only been so so short. Um, and for those that know me very, very well, um, Dim is a connection that I didn't meet on uh, LinkedIn. It was actually through a, um, a combined connection. Um, so we've got along and off to a fast start, which is something that always excites me, as it does Dim. <laughs> so very much convinced spirits. So let me ask you um, a little bit, if you can give us a little bit of your backstory. Who's Dim and where have you come from and where are you about to head? 
<laughs> so uh, it's a very good question. Um, the song that I currently sing is is one of three chapters. So chapter one is I thought I was going to be in IT forever. I thought that, you know, I would have been a software engineer, network administration, be in a server closet, um, but, you know, six foot three European and confined spaces don't really work for me. Uh, so all of a sudden I started to basically push myself out there and to see what was going on in terms of processing people rather than just uh, talking to a screen and making sure that everything was ticked and clicked um, in terms of compliance. Um, that drive and that passion of wanting to, you know, talk about process, talk about outcome, and making sure that the people involved can achieve that to something that's reasonable, but also socially impactful, um, really came from a, a traditional family business mindset. So, you know, my grandfather came to Australia, the old traditional European story, one shoe, one briefcase, became a truck driver and uh, went from one truck to a fleet of, I think it was like 70. So for all the guys that are in Australia, we were up against TNT, Toll. We're talking your big logistical companies at a national level. So being a part of that experience, you know, and just be organically being in that environment. By the time I got to uni and by the time I got my first two jobs, it was pretty much like, eh, I can make a decision on where I wanted to go rather than trying to uh, explore my self-worth and, and understand where I needed to go. So that's chapter one. <laughs> Um, chapter two, uh, from the age of like 24 to let's say 27, um, I've been a lecturer, uh, I've been a tutor. Um, those were across the three main universities here in South Australia. So the University of South Australia, Adelaide University, Flinders University. So I did that for around about six years. So your standard IT, marketing, um, bit of psychology, because I'm all about consumer behavior and understanding a person. So that was quite fun. Um, but a lot of that time was exploration in getting my hands dirty to really qualify and finesse my own abilities. Yeah. I know that sounds a bit, you know, commonsensical, but that, that time for me was like, okay, I'm really good at this. Am I really, really good at this? Is it something that's going to provide me with a forecasting mechanism so that I can, you know, position myself when I'm 30, I'm 32 now, um, in terms of the, the career goal that, that I wanted, which was to become a general manager. So I actually did that at the date in 29, um, funnily enough. So that was that my milestone squash. So that was pretty cool. Um, but again, it was kind of explain the other way. Getting my hands dirty, understanding the problem, providing the solution, looking at all the opportunities has allowed me to be a general manager, a commercial manager in a mining company, which was uh, my last job, which was pretty cool as well. Didn't think that would come to the table. Um, I've been a uh, operations manager for a nightclub um that was uh, a <laughs> i've got plenty of stories about that but that was a bit of experience too. but you know the heart and soul of everything that i've done in terms of my career has always been people and how that can be elevated uh in terms of systemized technologies so that you know um, whether it's the receptionist at the desk or the director who's sitting in you know his or her office away from everyone else there's always a sense of connection between the big vision that is set by the company all the way down to that pre-cognitive understanding of I am here because it will provide a social impact. I am here because it will provide a business outcome. And, goal. So, yeah. Beautiful. and I think you've tapped into something really key. There is uh, that self-understanding. It, and by having that self-understanding of yourself, that's enabled you to actually understand people, which is where the psychology stuff comes in. I, I see that really come out uh, very, very strongly in you as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. Excellent. And <laughs> so I've got I know by nature you're actually naturally very collaborative, but I know when we first met and now knowing you further and knowing the questions that you ask, there's also that element of curiosity but also caution. Um, so you have a, a particular way of sorting people or can you provide some tips on what I do instinctively of how you sort people when you first meet them? <laughs> if, if we had more time, I could do a whole lecture about it, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, 
majority of my qualification is as much as I would love to say it's instinctive. It's it's more been an adaptive process in terms of my behavior. Um, as a foundational uh, way of thinking, I've been burnt a lot of times. I've failed a lot of times, but I've also been very successful in certain things. And as a result of that, I've come to understand the type of people that I want to surround myself with. Yeah. So that's the first step, understanding who you want to surround yourself with so that, and I'm going to quote my grandfather or my late grandfather, is if you surround yourself with idiots, you're perceived as an idiot. If you surround yourself with good people, then there's a greater potentiality of good things happening. So for me personally, it's going, okay, who is that person? Why are they here? Which is a very purposeful question. Um, a lot of the consultation and advisory that I do with directors, they don't really ask that to themselves. It's more of a, we need to grow by 10% or we need to decrease our resources by 10 people. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, what's the end goal? What's your five years? What's your 10 years? What's going to make you feel good at the age of 50? Yeah. So all of a sudden it's that understanding of, well, you know what? I really don't need 50 people that are all in marketing. I just need two and I need more people that are in operations. So really understanding who you want to talk to. And then this is where I ask very much three specific questions in very different ways is, <laughs> and I, I know, I know I did this to you when I first met you, but um, the three main questions that I ask people is what's your superpower, which is quite impactful because a lot of conversations come from, you know, what's your strength, what's your weakness. Now, a lot of people, you know, sugarcoat it. I'm a really good people person. Um, I'm not really good at public speaking. And it just becomes a really generic conversation that doesn't really provide any any force um, to build momentum for like a more productive, you know, um, outcome. So talking about your superpower, it's like, well, what do you wake up in the morning? What If you were a superhero, you can fly or, you know, you've got a lot of patience or you can run really fast. All of a sudden you start pushing this the individual you're talking to into a position where even though you have a set of strengths, you start identifying what their actual massive priority strength is at the end of the day. Why that's important to me in the way that I qualify is because the way that my brain works, and I'm going to quote my little brother, um, he goes, your brain's like a computer, right? What you're trying to do is to position everyone into their folders so that when it's the right time, right place, you can go, oh, I just had this conversation about sales, uh, LinkedIn, click, click, oh, I'm going to pick up Sally and I'm going to put Sally into that equation, yeah? So understanding your superpowers. From there, um, again, being a storyteller, uh, Sally, as you would definitely know by now, um, it always comes down to, you know, what's your biggest, sorry, what's your most impactful failure? Because what that does, it opens up to you empathetically and very emotionally. Um, people don't like talking about dirty laundry, but that question isn't geared to present dirty laundry. It's actually geared, and this is more of a psychological thing, to see if the person's genuine, right? Um, if you, you see it reactively, right? You see the person go, you know what? I'm willing to open up. I'm willing to tell it. Even, even if it's 10% of the story, it still means that there's been an action in order to do so. I've had times where people just, you know, go with the flow and they tell me a story that doesn't make any sense. But for me, little computer in my brain goes, maybe he's not the right person for the people that I want to surround myself with. Yeah. And then the only other question I ask is, you know, what's your success and what does that mean in terms of your roadmap? The reason why I talk about success and roadmap in conjunction is it's all well and good to say, you know, Sally, what was your last success? And you're like, oh, I got this, you know, sale in the US, it was this much money and I'm feeling amazing. And I'm like, cool. How do we forecast that? How do we replicate it? How, how do we do it time and time and time and time again? Now, you know, people would then say, oh, you know, you're working harder, not smarter. But for me, it's understanding that process and then going, Sally, how do we systemize it, right? How do we automate it? And I know you're getting giddy because we had this conversation the other day, right? So, you know, how do we automate it? So then, you know, 80% of what you're doing in the real world is just being done. So then you can spend 100% of your time qualifying that lead and making sure that you're servicing the client appropriately. So in summary, figuring out this is about getting them to be genuine and opening up. So what's your, your most impactful failure? And then just talking about the next six months, 
12 months, five years, because then you can make your own judgment to say, well, based on my plan, based on my uh, most impactful failure and the way that I want to be perceived and my superpower, you know what? I need to build an Avengers team and I really need Iron Man right now. So come with me and let's go do it together. Beautiful. Very, very well encapsulated. And I've got to, I've got to say, um, clearly your superpower and my superpower is continuing regardless of what's going on in the background. Just continue your coffee machine going. So that's cool. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's all right. That just demonstrates the superpower and your laser focus and and that roadmap forward. We're on a mission on a mission today to share. So that's beautiful. Thank you. And I do remember you asking me the questions. I have no clue what I actually said, but I remember how your body body language shifted and how you uh, how there was a there was a distinct change when we talked about the failure side of things and that whole settling down. I thought, yeah. Uh, we kindred spirits. I knew from that moment on it <laughs> was, uh, was a journey to be had there. So one of the questions we've just had um, in the chat was um, when you say that we're in a um, in a relationship or a working partnership, what does that mean? So I'll, I'll just explain it from my side and you might want to yeah, your version of it. So when I, when I think of collaborative partnerships, I think of two individuals or businesses working together remaining in their single identity but working on something jointly, equally um, and uh, with their strengths. Uh, so uh, using uh, your beautiful story and analogy of the Avengers, we've got the two Avengers working together, although there's a lot more Avengers in at the moment, but it's actually doing yeah. those together. But they still have their own superpower and they still go off and do their own, own thing. Would you like to add to that at all, Jim? Yeah, so just to refresh, so the question was about the difference between collaboration in a business versus personal. Is that correct? It's just got what do you mean in uh, relationships or work, uh, relate, mean in relationship or working partnerships? So I think it was they were wanting the distinction of what a working partnership was, even though we have sort of separate businesses. Gotcha. Um, if I was your traditional uh, suit and tie uh, type of consultant, specialist, pick a synonym, whatever it was, um, the answer I would be giving is there has to be a outcome and that there is some type of, let's call them, uh, milestone scheduled, right? Very black and white. You know, this is what it is. This is what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, you're a good person, Sally. I'm a good person, Dim. That's fantastic. That's going to happen organically, right? But when people start throwing out collaboration, and I'm going to go back three years, um, I used to have a mentor who used to use it every day of the week. So sparingly, he would like meet someone off the street and say, let's collaborate. And then he'd go to another person and go, let's collaborate. And I would sit there in meetings and I'm like, why are we collaborating with this person? And why are we collaborating with that person? And he couldn't give me an answer. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, building that collaboration and meaning it, and I'm going to use it, I know I said I wouldn't, but never overpromise and underdeliver, yeah. ever. Yeah. Right? If you say you're going to achieve this, whether it takes you twice as long or half as long, that's, that's something that happens organically in business. Where it falls over is the collaboration. If the outcome doesn't occur, well, it's not the right person to be collaborating in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, beautiful. It just uh, highlighted something there for me when I get asked about, um, you know, uh, how do I create a profitable partnership, uh, collaborative partnership? And it's so key to have an outcome, but it's so key to over communicate to make sure that we're all keeping the outcomes uh, uh, front and that we all know that who's doing what when. So we'll perhaps come back background to that because um, I think that's important. Um, so I know we're going to talk and I'm going to tease a little bit of this and I want to get into the conversation around how you've had 200 conversations and had through those 200 conversations uh, 74 yeses or outcomes. So we'll talk a little bit more on that shortly. But what are your tips as it relates to showing up correctly online? Now, I ask that question because I know you've used LinkedIn in this scenario and I use LinkedIn a lot as well. So I'd love you to share your insights on how you show up um, correctly online to start a conversation. Okay. <laughs> Again, I know we haven't got enough time, but I'm, I'm going to really simplify it for everyone. So the way that I see online perception or what's called what I like to call personal equity or brand equity is 
how you perceive yourself in the real world needs to be a one-to-one relationship on the way you present yourself in the digital world. End of story. Right? Like that's that's as simple as it can be. Like I wear flowery shirts because <laughs> that's me. Right? Now there isn't a you know online perception on my Instagram, which guys go and stalk me. You see everything I'm about to say is literally what I'm executing right now. My Instagram is me from a family perspective. It's one element of dim, right? Because it's soothing that channel, right? You go to Facebook, ah, I exist, right? But it's the same thing. Um, it's more of a, an advocacy point of view from my family. Birthdays, dates, but you won't see me dancing on a table, right? Um, after a Saturday night with a couple of mates, yeah? But if you go to LinkedIn, and Sally, this is where you're helping me out and you're educating me about how that needs to be, you know, elevated, updated to make sure that it gets, you know, um, uh, it packs a punch when it comes to delivering that message to wherever I need to talk to is I haven't gone and told, you know, my life story. I've been extremely selective, you know, because at, at that point in time of my career right now is I'm marketing and tech. But if you were to take a snapshot of LinkedIn two years ago, it was commercial management, operations, team building, right? Completely different person, completely different person. But the idea is at the end of the day, if you're not presenting, sorry, if you can't talk to the client that you're, you're trying to vet online and you can't talk to them the exact same way you are in the real world, don't engage, right? Because you're lying to yourself, number one. You start lying to the client, number two. And I don't know about you guys, but a lie plus a lie does not equal the truth. Right? So again, it's that one-to-one relationship where, you know, in terms of tips, make sure that you present yourself in such a way that it's the most purest form. And I say purest in a very loose way, but in the purest form that you can actually deliver, right, on what you say and what you do. Yeah. So that's how I see it. Yeah, beautiful. So I also think you touched on something there about the conversation as it relates because I know when I work with uh, clients, they start conversations on LinkedIn. I, I can see the, the, the colour drain from their face and they start yep. to overcomplicate it and they start to go into a, you know, a 50-paragraph um, email conversation scenario. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's not what you would do if you were talking to somebody over coffee. So that's yeah. uh, one of the other elements is keep your conversations uh, real. Um, yep. an example, yeah, an example of mine I had with um, Daryl that introduced me to a whole, a whole community of people in um, the US was he, I messaged him and he messaged back and he referenced bot, uh, bots that everyone was using on LinkedIn at the time and how everyone was being hit with all of these yep. uh, messages, et cetera, from a networking perspective. And I just typed back, no bots here, baby. Um, And that was where, because of the open, honest dialogue around that, and it was so very much Sally, as you would know, um, that got into what I'm going to call was a real conversation. And that's... Agreed. And that's exactly right. It's all about that sense of clarity. Like, you know, just to jump into the, you know, the next step in the, let's call it, you know, communication process is once you've, identified who you are in the real world versus, you know, the digital world and you've aligned that up, it's, it's, it's like dating, right? You don't want to, you know, send one big message, you know, I'm 32 years old, I love dogs and here are my interests and here are my hobbies and it's not relatable, right? It's not relevant, you know? And, you know, with me, like for me, it's just like whenever I get a connection, like every single time, no matter who it is or what they want or whatever, I have this beautiful statement which basically says, hey, Sally, I appreciate your connection. And this, this question that I put after is, what was the trigger right, in your mind that made you connect, question mark, every single time, right? And what that does is all of a sudden the other person on the other side of the screen is going, oh, um, uh, uh, mm, right? And all of a sudden I go, cool, so you're either a bot or you've been instructed to build your network in inverted commons, right, ingenuinely, or they reply and all of a sudden they, like, tell me their life story and I'm like, sweet, let's go for a coffee, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just those little nuances in that communication to get the right person at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And that helps, um, as you said, part of that sorting mechanism. I remember one of the guys I connected with, Steve Sims, who's also in the States, 
very large entrepreneur over there and he's got a swear word in his um in his profile and his title which of course i loved uh, and <laughs> he asked that question and i went because you've got a swear word in your title so that, that that opened up a whole new conversation so it's about that honest honest conversation so yep. beautifully said so now can you please tell us i think we've teased everyone well and truly long enough <laughs> a bit more of the story as it relates to the 200 conversations so this is 200 conversations and you've got 74 people um that said yes to being on Huddlecast, and yep. uh, so you can get to cool. explain a little bit about Huddlecast and huddle as well for us done um so in the last four and a half years uh whilst being in various senior management roles uh i i made a decision that at somewhere in the next couple of years of my life, I wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what it would be. I had no idea what it would come out of it, who I'd get involved in. But I was like, you know what? If I can do it for everyone else, I might as well do it for myself. So I gave myself a bit of a roadmap and a milestone. I said, by before 35, um, that would happen. Yeah. Since that time, and I'm going to squeeze the last four years, right? I'm going to squeeze it. Um, identify that co working would be a thing. Uh, evaluated and started. Oh, geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood. Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association to forecast that co-working would change. This is pre-COVID, right? COVID has accelerated, which is a bottle of wine and uh, a Friday night, but we'll leave that there. Um, but for me, it was something in co-working because the behavior that I found in my team and my peers and everyone was talking to started to change. So I was like, I have to get on top of this. So behind the scenes, I was talking to over 80 global vendors in completely separate markets. So we're talking, I was talking to software guys in Tel Aviv, hardware guys over in Dubai, uh, marketing guys over in the UK, um, booking applications over in the US. My body clock wasn't, uh, wasn't playing nice uh, in that time period. But I was passionate and driven and I set that milestone. And that's just how I was being in terms of discipline. So I wanted to achieve that goal. Speed run until January of 2020. Um, I just moved on from my previous role as a commercial manager, started to do some BDM work. Um, COVID hit. Um, everyone kind of threw their hands up in the air and waved it just like they didn't care and said, co-working is a thing. Remote work is a thing. And I was like, awesome, right? Everything's accelerated. Everything's mainstream now. If I don't take this leap of faith within this brand new demand, then someone else is going to come in and maybe not provide the exact same product that I have, but will basically, uh, let's call it half-bake what, what needed to happen. Yeah. So again, took a leap of faith and I said, boys and girls, so I went back to my directors and said, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm going to go do my hustling and sort that out. So the way that I express Huddle is we are a social enterprise where we provide property enablement for on-demand workplaces. So the more simplified version of that is think Airbnb, but for business. So you pay one fee a month, you get access to multiple locations, right? And you have unlimited hours. So if you want to sit down by the beach for an entire day to do work, go right ahead. If you want to work in the city because you've got a couple of meetings, go right ahead. Traditional workspaces or traditional co-working spaces right now, and I had 
the worst memberships <laughs> in the last couple of years. I was spending like a thousand bucks a month, but I had card A, card B, card C, card D. And that's not to say that I wasn't spending money on car parks and spending money on meeting rooms. And it just got really um, overbearing extremely fast. So all of a sudden I was like, cool, I have the technology. I've got my vendors. Everything's in play. What do I do? So I played to yeah, right. So I played to my strengths, yes. right? And I started to be my own BDM. Now, this was literally like this thought was two days before COVID, right? Like when the outbreak happened and the world decided to like implode. So I am not a person, and I know you know this, Sally. I can be very strategic long term. <laughs> but I can be very fluid short-term, right? And in, I think it was the four-day period where, you know, everything was breaking out. Everyone was trying to figure out how the world was going to, you know, be. I literally was just a sponge. I rang everyone that I knew in my networks. I rang all my mentors from even like seven years ago. I connected with all these people, just giving them phone calls. What are you feeling? How do you do it? Why is this? Why is that? What are you going to think is happening in six months? I just kept going, right? I think it was by the end of that week, I had so much information from a inner circle perspective yeah. versus what was happening in the world that the next two months, I was in R&D. Like purely, I wasn't making any money. I was just like, okay, I've got this information. I've got that information. What is Huddle going to mean in a uh, during COVID, but also in a post-COVID world? So we're now in probably July, right? Yeah. Um, the world is still blowing up. You know, uh, everything's happening. People don't really understand, but everyone is kind of like coming into an introductory phase of it being normal. So we're not fearful anymore, but it's COVID is here to stay. What do we do? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go and grab all this R&D and test it inside of the Adelaide market. So... The pattern is, guys, if you don't put in the work, nothing happens, right? So what I did, thank you. <laughs> so what I did is during that time, um, instead of uh, chasing work or curating work, is I actually took on a volunteer role and mentoring at UniSA, okay? Um, it was twofold. It's always been my goal because I'm, I'm currently mentoring at Adelaide University, um, business SA, uni SA was like the last piece of the puzzle for me, so I could get the trifecta, yeah. But I got uh, headhunted, invited, and off I went. But from a strategic huddle perspective, it was like, I need to figure out who these 200 mentors are because, funnily enough, they're the perfect client for huddle in terms of membership. So I started. I made my script. I stalked everyone. I think I spent three hours a day, four hours a day, like curating LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagrams, uh, people of people in first degree separation. Like I know Sally, we use Monday and it looks a lot cleaner, um, but I was using an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and you, you would look at it and be like, what is going on? But I could literally see how everyone was connected, who I needed to talk to, when I needed to talk to them. Yeah. Now, I don't personally advise people to do <laughs> what I'm saying at this capacity, right? Because this is engineered towards my beliefs, my ethics, and the experience that I've had over the last five years, right? But in a simplified world, if you can identify that person and start building up a dialogue, which is what happened with these 200, is all of a sudden, I wasn't really, sorry, I wasn't at all, actually. I wasn't contacting these people to say, hey, I exist. Instead, I actually built a product, which I found because someone was actually asking me at the time to do more of what's happening right now. And they said, you should do your own podcast, right? You should do your own radio show. And at the time I was like, mm, yeah, it's too hard, right? Two days later, it wasn't that hard. I already found a supplier, I found the technology. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I had a podcasting product, which is called the Huddle Casting App, which is really cool. So all of a sudden, once I started to vet those people, the initial dialogue was not, hey, I'm dim, I'm in tech and marketing, give me work. Or, 
hey, I'm Jim, I'm in tech and marketing, what do you do? Instead, I engineered that first communication, which basically, I remember off the top of my head, yeah. hey, Sally, I am a fellow executive partner and mentor at UniSA, just like you. I am currently feeling this way in terms of COVID. Would you be interested in an opportunity to share your knowledge? Full stop. Let's discuss. That's literally all it said. Yeah. Okay. So the moral of the story when it comes to, you know, vetting or starting a communication, going back to what we previously said, is identify your purpose and outcome. Because yeah. it actually fast tracks everything. So 200, <laughs> 200 turned into 197 replies. 197 replies turns into 182 copies. 182 copies. Yeah, so I met them all face-to-face. -face. Uh, 182 copies turned into, I think it was around about 300 Zoom meetings. So on loop. So I was following up everyone. Out of those 300 Zoom meetings, that turned into, I think it was about 110. I can bring up my spreadsheet, but I think it was about 110 um, soft commitments. So in other words, what's a huddle cast? What does it involve? Can you show me? Can you show me an example, et cetera, et cetera? So 110 of those. And then from the 110, it turned into 70 yeses. Yes. During COVID, during a global pandemic and a massive change in business behavior. Yes. Now, there's one mentor out of the 70 who asked me, why in God's name would I even do any of this? Because at the end of the day, um, Huddle is launching in February, right? The way of the future is sharing knowledge through different channels, which means content creation is now king, and it's always been king, but now it's mainstream king. Mm, yes. <laughs> right? And going back to the way that you introduced me, I, I'm all about the narrative, right? So why wouldn't I play to my strengths in amongst other specialists and again, I accept this, that are smarter than me, have more experience, have better networks, have qualified networks, right? All I'm doing is providing the system and the platform and the brand in order to allow everybody to work together in order to then educate the market in software, services, and products that we can all basically help and uh, move along with. So it's an extremely long-term strategy, Sally, like extremely, like I don't, I look back and I'm like, damn, you were crazy. But now, you know, I've got all these connections, you know, I've been introduced to you, the conversations are free flowing and all of a sudden it's now gotten to an organic reach because now, you know, 2021, uh, 2020 is dead. What are we doing, Tim? You know, what are you doing, Tim? You know, I've got John Smith who wants to be a part of the Huddle Cast. Can we introduce him? And I'm like, yes, but I've already got a year's worth of content. <laughs> How about we start mapping out for, you know, 2022? So, again, putting in that hard work, talking to the right person after being vetted and asking the right thing at the right time is key, right? And I go, again, going back to dating, right? You don't just walk in and say, hey, let's get married, right? <laughs> you know, do you want to go to the movies? Do you like horror movies? Oh, you don't? Okay, let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, it's all about communication and being clear and confident in, in what you need versus what you want. Yeah, beautiful. And I think there too, because um, I know I've talked to you uh, quite a lot about the soapbox and the, oh, my God, so many people just do marketing and it's like, for God's sake, go and do some business development. And I know you've, you've had me on my soapbox and my community are yet again rolling their eyes going, oh, my God, she's going to do it again. <laughs> Yeah. And that was part of the my, my reason for having you on because you've actually got into action in a time where most people had stopped. The action was intense for a short space of time, but the opportunity and the consistency of that action created the opportunity you've got today. So 200 people in a short space of time to get a 70, uh, 70 people that said yes and, you know, as you've just said, 12 months' worth of content. It's like you don't have to do – it's not that hard. It's actually no. 
the actual process is not that hard. The hard yeah. thing for people to get is to get started and then remain consistent. And that comes exactly one. Yeah, they're often not because they haven't. They're not. They haven't got the clarity around what why they're doing and what they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you for somebody else's insight. <laughs> Let's have a little bit of a, a chat as it relates to um, some of your, uh, your, I suppose, top three networking uh, tips because you've very clearly and instinctively moved free people from a variety of different spaces onto a face to face, which in the in this in the it was Zoom, obviously, but you probably would have had coffee face to face. So you're actually instinctively moving people from digital to face to face. So talk to us about some of that. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of what I've explained is very uh, digitally minded, right? It's it's talking to a volume of people or a sample of people and getting them to a position where you can have that face-to-face -face meeting in the real world or through Zoom. Now, when it, when it comes to, again, face-to-face -face or Zoom, nothing changes, right? And a lot of people you know, say to me, whether I'm sitting in front of them or I'm on Zoom, my European hands are still getting waved around, right? But one thing I see a lot is this. Yeah, and let, let's have a conversation, Sally, about something. Or can I get, uh, is that, you know, what are, what are we doing today? Are we, are we all good? So in terms of tips and tricks, right, when it comes to Zoom or just face-to-face -face in general, is to make sure that you can be seen, right? Make sure that that lack of transparency of energy that normally happens in the real world can be presented or translated in a different way, yeah? So tip number one is make sure if we're talking Zoom specifically, you're in frame, right? Make sure that at the end of the day, there's a lot of light, right? I've got a lot of mentees who, you know, they do this, and they're sitting in their bedroom with their lights off. And I'm like, either you're a stalker or I'm talking to someone completely different. Yeah. So tip number one, framing light. Tip number two, breathe. I don't know <laughs> why it's the case, but people on Zoom assume, oh, we've only got 30 minutes. And for some weird and wonderful reason, we have to like rush through the entire conversation because what, Zoom's gonna blow up or something, right? I just don't get it, right? So I have always said, breathe, right? Think about what you're about to say, breathe, wait for the other person to say it and have a proper conversation, yeah? Instead of, you know, and I'm sure you get this as well, Sally, oh, it's a bit of lag or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, it's none of that, right? It's the fact that for some reason we've got this perception that we have to rush in a different format. Yeah. So framing, lights, breathe. The last one is keep the Zoom meetings consistent. So a lot of my vendors, uh, like I said, are overseas, right? For example, the boys over in Sweden, every Tuesday, every fortnight at the exact same time, right? Now, why is consistency so important when it comes to Zooming? I don't know about you, but I don't like, oh, it started, we booked it in at nine and then I wake up the next morning and it's moved to three and then I get to three, then it's moved to five, then from five, it's moved back to nine o'clock the next week. It seems, right, that because technology is now this uh, fluid, um, you know, sense of inertia where there's this flexibility of just moving stuff around with ease, that there's this etiquette which I don't, I do not even favor at all. There's this etiquette that meetings can be moved without consent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So again, you know, going back to the original statement, communication is key, whether you're on Zoom and you're using this type of channel or if you're talking face-to-face, -face. there's yeah. no difference. And I think that's um, the great thing I've uh, noticed working with you um, and in the collaboration is that we have that consistent catch-up and the word that you use so often is just let's keep the momentum going, let's keep the momentum going. 
And that's one of the greatest keys to any collaboration, but also to any great conversation. Um, so I think that ties in perfectly with both the networking advocate, but also you, you know, how do you have uh, successful collaborations through consistent um, communication that at the same designated time each time. So we all know what's happening, who's doing yep. what, what, when, and also the deadlines don't change. You know what the deadlines are. That's it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> We've only got um, just sort of getting towards the end of it. So there's a couple of questions I wanted to ask you as it related to how do you continue to keep your alliances and collaborations um, strengthened? Because this seems to be something you naturally do as well. And this isn't me asking from an observer role, and we haven't been sort of working long enough for me to know this yet about you. Yep. But it yep. seems to be something that comes from you instinctively as well. So you've probably got a process. Uh, so you want to share that with us too? <laughs> uh, I'm happy to share. Um, it for me personally, it comes down like as an extension of what we've been talking about. It, it comes down to semantics and syntax. Okay. Um, I use the word inner circle. I use the word ambassador. I use the word family in a business sense because it relates to my culture, the way that I want to build these strategic alliances, strengthen them, and then sustain them. Right. But if I started to do the more traditional thing and said, Sally, you're just a partner. I'll see you whenever. Right? All of a sudden, the... See? Right? <laughs> the, the, the shallowness in, in building that, 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 that rapport and that relationship between you and me is... is it won't work. It, it won't grow. It, it, won't, it won't condense. It won't be strong. It will just be, oh, I know Dim. Dim's a nice guy. He says I'm a partner. Don't know what that means. Um, but yeah, he'll ring me when he needs work and I'll ring him when he needs work. Yeah. yeah? So all of a sudden, correct. So then all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, well, you know, for me, family is like, if you're part of the family, you're, you're with me like central. If you think of it as concentric circles, right? Then you've got the inner circle, which is, yeah, you're not privy to everything, but you're privy to things that the public isn't actually privy to. Yeah. So it's really identifying how you want to build your culture, which dictates the strength of your relationships, right? And that's something that I learned over the years um, with one of my mentors, his name's Dale Schmidt. So Dale used to be the national operations manager for Westfields. And even though he was always, you know, in a, in a rock in a tight place every single time when it came to deadlines, he always knew that he could literally pick up the phone and ring Brad and Bill and Ted because they were family, right? Not biologically, but in terms of business. And then magically things would happen, yeah? So to strengthen those relationships, you just really need to be true to yourself. I know we're, I'm bouncing around, but be really true to yourself and saying, you know what, I, are you committed? And be transparent about it. Like the conversations I had with you, right? From where it was at four months to where it is now, it's like you said, we've known each other forever. That's how it feels because it's like, are you feeling okay? Are you not feeling okay? Can we do that deadline? Can we not do that deadline? Um, who do we need to talk to? How can I help you out? It's, yeah. It falls outside of the realm of, did you do your hours this week? <laughs> right? And then you, you're telling me, did you get those sales this yeah. week? End of transaction, right? Yeah. You really need to just like open up I know this is going to sound very, you know, cliche, but you got to you got to open up your heart and and allow people to your soul, but at the right time, at the right place, right with the right person. Hence, why I think the way that I work is I've got concentric circles, and people are privy to certain milestones, pieces of information, in order to keep that consistent strength. But at the same time, and you know, a lot of um, again, I'm generalizing, but a lot of clients go, oh, but Tim. You know, uh, it, they call it good faith. And I said, good faith means jump off the cliff and I'll jump off with you. And then you don't jump, right? Yeah. It's a single transaction. It's said in real time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, 10 years from now, Sally, uh, we're still doing work. But every Friday for the last 10 years, we all sat down together and we're having dinner. Yeah. 
it's it's that type of you know story driven culture that needs to be established. Yeah, excellent. And that's a little bit um, different from my from me, um, which will just as a, as a bit of a uh, wrap up. I've got what I would call key connections that have been part of the inner circle at different times. They've been key mentors. They've moved in slightly different direction. We might not see each. We still sort of see each other, but we don't actually see each other. We don't actually sit down with each other regularly. But if they ring me and say, hey, Sally, I need X, Y, Z, or I ring them and go, hey, Sal, uh, hey, I need, can you help me out with that? We're there for each other straight yeah. away, just like we would have been as though we had dinner yesterday. Um, and that's through the similar scenarios of, of having great uh, relationships, great conversations and great collaborations over time that you can mm -hmm. go back to if you just sort of cycle in and out of different people that you need at different times that need you and vice versa, depending on what event you're on. 100%. Excellent. Any closing words from you in the last um, minutes that you'd like to share or you've got anything else to wrap up? Um, I, I, I will use the same three sentences that I use to everyone. In business, you need to be yourself. You need to surround yourself with good people and ensure that you deliver on your promises. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Perfectly said. No. Uh, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure sharing some of the dim magic today. Um, and there will be more to come. So thank you very, very much for uh, joining us. And we are looking forward to pleasure. sharing you more soon. Thank you so much. Done. Thanks. Look, we look forward to seeing you very much and chatting with you again next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I trust you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more Success Secrets Exposed.